Casual Friday. That means a mailbag. Yay! Mailbag. <laughs> mailbag Friday. It is January 28th, 2022. Just baseball show. Jack McMullen with both you guys, Arm Layton and Peter Apple. It's doggy Friday, too. I'm looking at the back of Arm's screen. He's got his doggies there. Uh, as I tilt my laptop, you can see my doggy lounging, too. And Peter in his shoebox apartment in Manhattan cannot have a dog, you broke ass. Yeah, thanks. It's not, it's sort of a shoebox. I'm just looking at my it is, it, right now. Re- relative to New York, not a shoebox, honestly. But right? in, in the grand scheme of things, yeah. Shoebox. And Wrench you call him broke. Square foot is not ideal to just summarize it quickly. You, you call him broke, but but a shoebox in New York is a flex. Yeah, no, Major a shoebox in New York is like triple what I paid for a palace in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> And you know it's it's shoebox plus, um, shoebox plus. Yeah, it's like yeah. business economy. You know, like one of those flights. It's not yeah. first class, but it's not coach. No, you're like a seventy coach. grade shoebox. It's kind of coach. It's not coach. Uh, <laughs> all right, we've got a good mailback. Before that, Matt Eberflus. What do you think, Peter? As if I know even remotely who that is. He's the new head coach of the Bears. You're the football guy, aren't you? He's the new head coach of the Bears? Yeah, Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus is the new head coach of the Bears. Um, I thought you were the football guy. We are going to talk about the AFC and NFC title games at the end because Peter is a I are you are you more gambling guy or X's and O's football guy? I I guess more gambling focused. I mean um, I didn't play football like I played baseball as much. I mean, I was the backup quarterback of my freshman team and do have a passing touchdown on my resume. So you could consider me an X's and O's guy. But I think the gambling guy when it comes to football is is better suited for me. You remember the name of the pass catcher? Taylor Leon. Shout out Taylor Leon. <laughs> nice. Little, uh, little, little run to the right, pass the tight end, bang, eight-yard touchdown. Count yes. it. So some people view the entirety of high school as their glory days. I think you view one fall Saturday, your freshman year as your glory days. Somewhat. I think that's accurate. But as the best baseball player currently out of the three of us, that's that's what I do take, you know, you know, very strongly. Both of your ears just about Hold on. to start Hold on. hot. Who out of the three of us, who were the last two to play an organized baseball game? I mean, technically it's you two, but want to go check the stacks you want to go you want to go check the stats want to go check max preps we can do that we can do that i'm happy to do that i'll put my numbers against yours i wasn't good but <laughs> or your numbers they were fine i had i had like a 2-2 era my junior year it was legit nice we, we got <clears throat> we got to we got to rip some simulated ab soon yeah yes we do that's how we decide we'll settle this once and for all put it on youtube sim, sim ab's percent yeah listen man when you see some tailing 68 coming at you from the left side 
You're going to be shitting yourself. Mark Burley should have made the Hall of Fame, apparently. Well, hey, he's still on the ballot. You know what? Look to the right of this screen. Congrats to David Ortiz being the only guy to be inducted in the last two years. You guys have already talked about it. If you want to hear my piece, uh, I actually wrote about it. It's going to be the first article uh, of, of my tenure on the Just Baseball.com. Wow. Only took a year. Only took a year. <laughs> Only took a year. Well, to be fair, the website launched uh, June 23rd. So 22nd. Like seven months. Yeah. And a day. And a day. Yeah. 20 All right. Let's launch into the mailbag. What you guys thinking? All right. We want to start with the first question, and um, it's a good one. Are there any players you guys irrationally think are going to shove this year? No real sound logic but just a gut feeling on someone that you think you can make an all-star game out of the blue. And that was asked by Timothy LaFleur on Twitter. Mr. Jack McMullen and your 2-2 ERA in high school, junior year, not senior year. Yeah, it was like a 4-5 my senior year. It was tough. All right. Yeah. What do you think? Um, Who's going to shove next year? Also, we need definitely someone on the offensive side too because we got a pitcher and a hitter, but first pitchers. That's fine. Wade Miley on the mound? I'm kidding. Not Wade Miley. (laughs) Uh, Who's this year's Wade Miley, essentially? <laughs> no, you know what? I'm I don't know if this is like too boiling hot a take, but I'm I'm with Codify, who we just had at the beginning of this week. I'm I'm all for team Dylan Cease. I think this guy's gonna take the step to superstar pitcher this year. I like that one. Arm, what do you think? I thought we were going like deeper, like digging deeper down. Cause like, you know, we we talked about Lizardo. I think that's someone that I think, you know, Codify also mentioned Lizardo as somebody that, you know, Fisher thinks can really break out next year. His stuff is so ridiculous. Like I, that's a guy that I'm personally rooting for. Um, and, and I think could, could definitely take his, you know, stuff to the next level. Zach Granke come out and just shove next year. Cy Young 40 cam. Now I, I, I wish that would be very cool. Are we all coming uh, up with jokes first before we get I think into so. our actual? Yeah, <laughs> no. But Lizardo, Lizardo is probably my pick. I, you know, obviously I could get into all the metrics of how his stuff is ridiculous, but just in terms of a gut feeling, I, I, I just believe in the guy. Uh, again, it's like beyond what you see on the field. It's just a guy that's a good dude who works hard. Uh, and I'm always willing to bet on those guys. And, you know, there's no in between with Jesus. If it clicks, if it clicks, it clicks. So that that's my pick. Yeah, I have a gut feeling guy, and I think I have a guy who – is a lock, but not actually a lock because he's never made an all-star game, but I think that he will make the jump. So the first one, the gut feeling one, I think John Gray of the Texas Rangers is going to come out and have a very good season in 2022. I think the move from Colorado to Texas, it'll bode well for him. I think he'll shove. I don't know about an all-star game, but I do think John Gray will shove. I think Frankie Montas, I'm all aboard the Frankie Montas train. Jack Arm, that's got to be our new guy. That's got to be our new Freddie Peralta. Frankie Montas throws insane. He throws gas. He's got a wipeout slider. He's so good. And it's yeah, like Freddie Peralta can great. still be Freddie Peralta because he no, Freddie Peralta. Well, well, we need like a new guy, our new Freddie Peralta, because we were Freddie Peralta last year and he freaking blew up. And now I think Frankie Montas is going to take that similar of a jump into like top 20, top 15 lists of just like a dude who is just incredibly hard to hit. What do you think, Arm? I, I think Montes is great, man. I, I just, I, I hope that he's able to, you know, circumvent some of the two pitch limitation. I mean, yeah. we saw Peralta able to do that, but it takes, it takes a lot of, I would say being 
pretty surgical on the mound to get away with that two pitch mix. But his stuff is so ridiculous that I think Montes could definitely do it. Um, I, I'm really interested to see if he gets traded. Where is he going to get traded? How does that impact him and things like that? But no, I, I love Montes as a guy that could really put it together next year. And then one other little dark horse, uh, Alex Wood. Alex Wood was actually really solid last year. I mean, you look at the, the numbers across the board, 383 ERA, but a 3.48 fit. And the strikeout numbers were as good as they've ever been. His command is great. Uh, I think Alex Wood could be a sneaky guy with a really strong first half, some Wade Miley luck uh, in the BABIP department. And if he's got like a low twos, mid twos ERA through the first half, he could sneak his way into an all-star game. I, I like Alex Wood a lot. Can I give you another one? Kind of along that, that same uh, breath. I think um, now the name is blanking to me as I think about it. Alex Cobb. Alex Cobb, I think, is going to have a phenomenal. That guy, I feel like that guy just just takes turns between being the worst pitcher ever and then like really nasty. And like every time, I never know which way. And he's going to San Francisco this year. I think they're just going to unlock something even more. Oh, I'm sure. I I like that one. I think Cobb's going to have a good year. One last guy that is less is is more obvious, but I think could actually turn into top ten pitcher in the game type. Shane McClanahan, and Mm, and I think his stuff is just so stupid. Um, and you know, I think the Rays are obviously helping him take his stuff to the next level. They keep engineering sliders for guys and you can see the adjustments that they make to each guy's slider. Uh, that's something that really helped McClanahan too. He's a freak show. I I think McClanahan could be legit a top 10 pitcher next year. Pete circling back for the hitters. I I've got two guys just, we can go quick, quick fire through the hitters because the question wasn't about hitters. It was about pitchers, but two guys that I want to highlight here, Trent Grisham, Adalberto Mondesi. I think both those hmm. guys like have the tools. Grisham can put the bat together. And I think if he hits 260, he's considered like a really good player. Uh, Mondesi, I mean, the guy could steal 50 backs. Like we talked yeah. about the next guy to steal 50 bases. We think it's Abrams. It could be Mondesi. Oh, totally. Where's Mondesi going to play next year? Anywhere. Yeah. Right. Like any position for any team in major league baseball. I know. Like, I just wonder, <laughs> I wonder opening day where he, where he's going to play. Yeah. No. I mean, he, he played 20 games at third in 2021. Yeah. Like I don't, it's not the best third base option out there, but like he could play third base if there's nowhere else to play. Yeah. You know, and you know how we were talking about with the Mariners that like, and this is just like a personal thing for me when I look at teams is like, if you're looking at an infield that doesn't have a lot of power, then you really want that power at third base. But that infield for the Royals could have so much power across the board that you won't really care that you're sacrificing a little bit at third. Like I think the positional assignments in terms of power don't necessarily matter. You just kind of have to look at what you're getting from the infield as a whole. And from Salvi Perez, which is going to give you more power from the catching position than anybody in baseball combined with with MJ Melendez, those guys combined for almost 100 home runs last year. Yeah, but he can't uh, frame. Between... Salvi can't frame, so he's, yeah. he's void. He's null yes, and void. Yes, he's void. But those two guys behind the dish combined for almost 100 home runs last year. Nick Prado has an outrageous amount of home, uh, home run potential at first. We know what Bobby Witt can do. Uh, and then, you know, at, at that point, I'm not losing sleep over the infield. Whit Merrifield obviously can run into some baseballs too. I, I'm cool with Mondesi at third, and you know he's going to play phenomenal defense there. Uh, I'm warming up to that, but that infield stresses me the hell out because uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Are we a top five Salvador Perez catcher podcast? Because that decides who you are as a baseball mind, apparently. It decides <laughs> who you are as a person as a whole. I know. 
Yeah. It's like, I just want to put him in the top five so people could get so upset. Well, so, you know, what's really funny is I was doing the dig. And I think you guys saw maybe my text late last night uh, when I, I usually do these stat dives late at night. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at the worst F war seasons since 2000 and the worst F war season since 1980 actually was Ryan Domit of the Pittsburgh pirates in 08, but listen to Ryan Domit's numbers, 318, 357, 501 slash line with 15 jacks as a catcher. Negative 3.4 F war. The worst defensive catching season of all time. He was a negative 60 defensive rating uh, by Fangraphs. Negative 60. So Fangraphs has Ryan Domit as a negative 8.6 F war guy in his career, despite hitting 104 home runs and a 101 WRC plus as, as a player in his career. How does that make so any I, sense? I, I look at that and I'm like, kids today would be looking at Ryan Dome hitting 318 in 465 plate appearances and saying, that guy fucking sucks. And <laughs> yeah. I, like, I guess, but, <laughs> but there's mean, no way to me. do now. But there's no way. And like, you know, I'm a big believer in, in metrics, but this just like turned my world upside down. Who hits 318, 357, 501 in 116 games and is a net three and a half loss player? Right. Bat keeps you lost you three and a half games because of that guy. Bat keeps you on the field. But like, if you're behind the plate, like, you have to catch 200 baseballs a night. And if he's catching only like 80 of them, geez. It's the framing. I guess the framing was just ass. He was like just swiping everything away, just like just taking him out of the zone. But sorry yeah, think, for the sorry for the digression. No, I, there, I love that, and I think we'll leave the uh, the answer to the, are we a top five Salvador Perez podcast for when we do our rankings because yeah. we're going to be coming out with fantasy baseball rankings as well. You'll find that on justbaseball.com moving forward, like February, March, up until the season. Yeah, um, and then we'll also be coming out with our personal top tens. You know, we did it last year and. Some people loved it. Some people, you know, hated it. Yeah, but that's yeah. the fun part about Hate it. Us. We just talked to we just Not talked it. to Joe Poznanski. There's no perfect list. Yeah, except ours. Except ours. Yeah. One other thing we have to identify as a podcast is: is Ryan Domit a net negative player or net positive player? Negative. Yeah, he's positive. he's an eight loss player. I think he's positive. He could be a three eighteen catcher. I don't care what he's doing behind the plate. Um, no, that's not fair. All right, but let's get back into what we were talking about. The the hitters that are going to come out and be all-stars. I got yeah. mine. Go. Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, um, love you know, that was my guy to hit 50 jacks. Yeah, <laughs> was, love that one. Um, I, I love Mountcastle. They moved that freaking wall uh, back, which, you know, I, I thought about that for a second, and then I was like, I don't uh-huh. care. Ryan Mountcastle hits nukes. Um, so I Camden don't Yard care. is already small. Toronto, yeah. New York, Boston. He goes up. Yeah. Yeah. Not worried about it. I love Mountcastle as a guy that can take that step next year. Um, and, and I mean, it was just a bad first half. The second half was spectacular. That's my dude. My dude is a uh, Heimer Candelario of the Detroit Tigers. I like that a lot too. 42 doubles in 2021, 16 bombs. His launch angle has decreased year <laughs> over year. I think it's it was at the lowest, it was at like 12.6 degrees and optimal launch angles between 18 to 30 degrees. If you can get that back up to like 15, 16, um, hopefully some of those doubles can turn into home runs. He's just a really all around good player. Hits for a high average, has some power. He's a pretty good defender over there at third base. Heimer Candelario, big year coming. 
Good shit. Next Q. Next question. Do the Nationals actually sign Juan Soto to a long-term deal? He's a Boris client, so he's going to get a bag somewhere. Is that realistic for the learners and Rizzo to give him 13 years, $550 million, asked by Augie Wagner on Twitter? And the learners are the man or the ownership group, yeah. and Mike Rizzo is the general manager. So, Mr. Jack McMullen. Nationals, Juan Soto, 13 years, 550. Could they do it and would they do it? That's going to be the asking price. What I will say about these is it's not realistic until it happens. And that's like, you know, kind of a bad answer, but that was the case with the Marlins and Giancarlo Stanton and then the Phillies and Bryce Harper and then, you know, pre-arbitration eligible Fernando Tatis Jr. and the Padres and then a $400 million deal for Mike Trout. Like all these things are ludicrous and get the hell out of my face with it until oh my god this happened so somebody's gonna do it like somebody is absolutely gonna pay ted williams like we talked about it i mean juan soto is ted williams now and he's 22 years old so somebody's gonna do it um i don't know if it's gonna be the nationals but somebody's gonna fork that money over i don't know if it's the learners and mike rizzo that are gonna do it but that number is outrageous and stupid until we see Juan Soto and we see Jeff Passan tweet out that Soto just signed 13550. So it's going to happen. I don't know if it's Washington, but brace yourselves. Yeah. I, so I, I think the market value, so to speak, would be that, right? It, it could be that. But I don't know if it necessarily means he's going to get that. Uh, I think there's got to be a threshold here or or like a, or I guess I'm looking for the opposite word of a threshold, but like there's got to be a cap where just it's unreasonable and doesn't make sense for a single player to, to have half a billion dollars committed to them. I think there's a line drawn at a certain point. And and I just don't know if he exceeds 450 at at that point. So you see it, you see it in soccer too. If you look at transfer market at any point, Kylian Mbappe is the most valuable player in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of soccer stuff and you see the market value on Kylian Mbappe and it's like oh my god this is so high who would do this nobody's gonna do it like the transfer fee for Mbappe if he were to leave Paris Saint-Germain is not going to be that number but exactly. that just tells you how much this guy's worth there's no number right now to show you how much Juan Soto is worth because he's doing things that have never been done before so he's gonna get a contract that's never been done before Juan Soto's not doing stuff that's never been done before He's 22 and he's doing this. No, I know. No, I, well, I know what you're saying. And my thing, though, is this, is, is when Mike Trout's healthy, and, and, you know, Mike Trout signed this deal prior to, you know, most of it, it. Injury concerns were not really a thing until this past year. You know, he had been injured, but it wasn't something that we were really looking at until after this year where he missed the whole season. When he signed that, you know, Mike Trout, to put things in perspective, in terms of war and a lot of other departments, He's still on a different level than Juan Soto. When he is healthy and he plays a full season, his worst full season is still Juan Soto's best pretty much in terms of war um, and even a lot of offensive production categories. So when I look at that, I'm like, okay, he got 12, 430, not that long ago. It's not like this was eight years ago. So even if you you bump it up a little bit to scale because it's a couple years from now, I think 450 is really that mark. And then I guess the second part of this question is will the Nationals actually do it? Um, my mind goes two ways with this, right? They let Trey Turner go because they didn't want to pay him. They let Rendon go because they didn't want to pay him. 
They let Harper go because they didn't want to pay him. With, with Trey Turner more recently, was that because they are focused on committing all of their resources to Soto, or are they just never going to pay anybody? I think the problem here is that also, to your point, Jack, too, about the, um, the contracts, um, the Nationals are tied up in Strasburg and Corbin for lots, Corbin. God damn lots it. of money. And to Arm's point, they it will handy, you know, it will handicap you a ton if you are committing forty-two million dollars a year to Juan Soto, and that's what thirteen years five fifty would be. I proposed around twelve years five hundred million because that's what the market value would be. Yeah, but I agree. I don't think you could give him 80, 80 to one hundred twenty million more than Mike Trout got. <laughs> I mean, it would set an incredible an incredible precedent for future deals as well throughout the league. I mean, then, I mean, Acuna has already signed his deal. Tatis already signed his deal for 330 million. Is Juan Soto $200 million better than Fernando Tatis Jr.? Even though the war and the numbers may stack up and it may be he's worth 45 million a year, but it's just, I don't think it's actually going to happen. I I agree. And, and here's the big thing, man, is like Strasburg, He's under contract till 2026, right? Yeah. It, it, like 35 a year until that. Like that was your classic. We won the World Series. Let's go. Let's give everybody money. Uh, and it's funny because we want the, the Braves to do that to do that with Freddie Freeman, but that's a lot more simple. First baseman. Strasburg was an injury prone pitcher. You also have Corbin, who's owed 23 million next year, 24 million in 2023, and then 35 million in 2024. So you have 70 million committed in 2024 to Steven Strasburg and Pat Corbin, who I think both might not even be like pitching for them at that point. I don't even know what Strasburg will be doing at that point. He might retire. Um, I mean, I I hope he comes back, but he legit might retire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just said no way is like, no, you know, in the sense of like, no way, but I I don't even know how to word that. Continue. I I just don't know how they could do it. How can you do that when you have 70 million committed to guys that aren't going to help you win most likely? So one quick thing here, Mike Trout signed his deal in 2019, March of 2019, 12 years, 427 in March of 2019. He was 28 and a half years old at that time. If you're going to do it, you better do it now with Soto because he is like a very ripe 23. Like if you're going to sign him to 13 years, why not just do it now? Because the Angels are committing that type of money to Trout through age 40. And with Soto, if you just signed him to 13 years, like that's 36 years old. There is a world where Juan Soto is still really, really good at baseball at age 36. And you said the 450 million. I think that's a reasonable number. If you're going to sign him for 12 years, 340 or 340, 440, that would make sense. But it's pre arb 50. Right. But if you do it now, like pre arb knocks the price down. But if you do it now, you're also like, not paying for shit years at the end. Like that's, that's kind of the kicker with a lot of these guys with Harper, with Machado, with Trout, like you're just committing to like sunken costs from age 37 to 41. Historically, you're not doing that with Juan Soto. If you sign him now. Also, Juan Soto is a guy who, is he going to be bad when he's 36 to 40? No, like like that's what I just said. I don't think so. The plate discipline will be at new levels. I mean, Barry Bonds, look at his plate. He'll be good when he's 54. What if he gets bored? What if Soto's like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go to law school. Game's too easy. That's where the 450 million kind of just changes that for you. Yeah. 
maybe just like heavily incentivized like five-year deal <laughs> five years 500 million dollars <laughs> all right next question jack this one is just for you because i don't watch it i don't know if arm watches it but if characters from euphoria were mlb yeah. players who would they be and that's from our guy javier reyes yeah okay so pete over the last year what programming have you watched shows movies um i'm on, i just finished season two episode one of succession yesterday nice i've seen a ton of 30 for 30s <laughs> yeah dude i watched don't look up it, one movie yeah and that one of all of them is that it that might be it honestly okay. Yeah, so Euphoria should be next on your list. HBO Max, it's really freaking awesome. It's awesome. It, no wish. It's no. If you're gonna recommend a show, like it has to be phenomenal. If it's gonna it take is. me away, it's phenomenal. Ozark. It's Ozark. Phenomenal. Ozark. I've heard Ozark's Ozark phenomenal from... too. I got to dive into that. I also Dude, have to dive into Succession. I just finished Ozark. Uh, it is. It is so good. It is so good. Peter, you would like that one for sure. You would uh, like that I one did, sure. uh, I did. St- I watched one episode and I was like, this whole thing is cliffhangers. I don't like it. Got turned off, immediately stopped it. But that's that's my thing. I stopped after two you episodes. You made a determination after one one episode that the whole thing I need thing to be hooked. I, it's a, w- that's what a cliffhanger does is it hooks you. <laughs> too many. Too many. So they hooked you too much. Too much. And it turned me off. You need off. to be hooked, but they hooked you. I need to you. be hooked an appropriate amount. Okay. okay. That's why he likes watching Tyler Malley. Yeah. He likes <laughs> thinking that maybe he can do it at Great American Ballpark. Like just maybe. Yes, it's a cliffhanger. That's what we do at this time. Um, okay. Malley. Euphoria answer here. Uh, this was tough. Like it's tough because drugs, death, and like fights and nudity and all that stuff. Like it's kind of hard to compare that to baseball, but I'm going to try. But that's the um, show? Euphoria. Uh, I'll write that one down. Um, I have the I have the uh, stress ball that your mom got me. Oh yeah, I got the one over here too. Great, it's really Great. good when you know we start talking about splits too much. I can just like, yeah. All right, Euphoria, you. go. I want to get to an actual good question. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, so speaking of drugs, I think Rue, who Zendaya plays, is Manny Ramirez. Just can't stop doing drugs. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Jules is Clayton Kershaw. Things were just sunshine and rainbows with one massive thing looming over them. Jules, I'll, I'll leave that to the people that watch. Kershaw is you can never win a ring. Then it got taken care of. But Jules at the end of season one left for greener pastures. Kershaw's thinking about going home to Texas. But if he does, he's going to realize he's making a massive mistake. So he's going to come back for season two. And still be beloved by everybody. Uh, Cassie, who is Sydney Sweeney, is Giancarlo Stanton. There's just this like obsession with the body and not the substance. Um, mm. And then Nate Jacobs is just a no fly zone there. Can't do that. Can't do that. Nate Jacobs is like the worst villain ever. And like, it, we just can't touch that hobby. Okay. Is there anybody else? No, that's it. He's the worst villain ever. I could think of some players. There are, I can too, but I'm not going to say them. There are only four uh, characters in Euphoria. I'm kidding. There are a lot more than four, but like those are four that I pinpointed there. All right. Next question. Who are some free agent signings you think will be disappointments? Ask from Kasim Holloway on Instagram. And I think, you know, 
we'll go through some disappointments disappointments but i think we should also go through a couple of contracts that we think are going to go really well um because we're not you know we didn't even really know how to rank overrated players because we're not just not that kind of podcast so maybe one that you don't think might work out as well and then a positive one that you really liked arm you first I, me for it's uh, these kind of questions it's always me first i gotta, I, gotta, I, can, I can go first no first. i got it i got it i got it nick martinez for four years to san diego what the hell is that <laughs> Like, yeah, thank you. I like going first. Um, yeah, bro, what? Like, I, I understand he, they must have seen great things because obviously the Padres were, were involved and they, they saw a lot of Team USA. They liked what they saw. I'm not giving a good reliever four years, 20 million. So uh, why are you giving a guy that hasn't even pitched stateside in a little bit four years, 20 million? I, I don't know about that one. He could be good. I, I just not feeling great about that one. Um Gosh, I like I look at the Javi Baez deal, but it, it's just not that expensive. It's really not when we look at it relative to the rest of the deal. So I, I'm not too concerned about that one. I am a little bit nervous about Kevin Gossman on five years. Mm. Five years of Kevin Gossman pitching to that level. I, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I think he's going to be somewhere between his first and second half. But five years of Kevin Gossman pitching to – you know, a $20 million clip. I know what you're saying. We'll see. I, yeah. I'm also a little bit weary on that one. And I, I had two names written down. Nick Martinez was one of those. And the other one, Rossiel Iglesias is a phenomenal reliever, but four years, 58 million. We talked about it, giving away these enormous contracts to relievers. Like he's great, but he's also getting up there in age a little bit. Like how much longer is he going to be throwing 98, 99 mile an hour darts? Yes, he's great right now, but four years, 58 to the Angels? Just that that sentence, a reliever to the Angels for four years, 58 million? When has that sentence worked out ever? Never. You just got Arm's dogs riled up in the back. I, I saw him pick his head up. Um, <laughs> nah, he's just getting more comfortable. <laughs> he look. agrees about Rossi Iglesias, and that's not like I – think Rossiel Iglesias is one of the best relievers in baseball, but will he be year three? Will like, he no. be year four? Probably yeah. not. Right. Like your thing is a reliever thing. It's not, it's not unique to Rysel Iglesias. It's just it's like, not. why pay somebody like that? I'm never, it's yeah, I'm never unique to him just because how long is he going to be able to throw 99? Right. And then when right. he doesn't, we'll see. Yeah. Um, I'm a Robbie Ray hater. I, I just like, I want him to be good because he went to a team that I really want to see succeed, but I just don't think that deal is going to work out for Seattle. Like, I think Ray was just kind of a flash in the pan. Um, I've got, uh, we talked about it when it happened to Aram, but like the Avi Garcia deal. I hate it. I hate it. I, I, I realized that right after I was, if you didn't say it, I was going to, I was going to say it. I hate it. It's terrible, but go yeah. ahead. It's not a good deal. The, the Avi Garcia thing. So Avi Garcia to Miami and Robbie Ray to Seattle are the two that jump out to me. If we're looking at good deals, though, I fucking love the Chris Taylor deal. Yeah, I think it's awesome. That's all you guys just say. You think it's awesome? I think it's awesome. Like, what else needs to happen? You add Chris Taylor, who is the best Swiss Army knife in baseball. Um, You you re-add him to a loaded team already, hoping that you get a bounce back from Bellinger. Mookie Betts continues to do Mookie Betts things. And, like, Maybe the ship has sailed on Lux and Chris Taylor can take over as that 162 game guy. Yeah. No. And so Avi Garcia, 
I, I hate that one more than, than Graveman. Like, I think Graveman could be fine. I, I just, I could see it going south. And I honestly, there's not really that many signings that stand out to me as like, I don't like this. So, Avi Garcia is probably the worst one for me. I, I, 53 million people, most people would be like, oh, that's not that much. For the Marlins, that is the most they've committed in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, and why would you do it to that guy? So, it's like, imagine, a, it's like, imagine the Yankees committing 250 million to some dude. That's like what the equivalent is. His, he's had one season with an F4 above three, and he's coming off of a career year at one of the most hitter-friendly parks in baseball. I wonder what will happen when you put him in a different park. I hate it. I hate it. absolutely hate it. What Which ones do you like? Oh. Um, <laughs> oh. Oh. Um, well, extension-wise, love Buxton. Obviously, that's not a free agent, but I just think that is a freaking sweet Great. deal. It, it, they're not you know screwed if it doesn't pan out. It, yeah, it sucks for them, but seven years, a hundred million is, I mean, just really not a big deal. I love, I, it's impossible not to love what the Rangers did with their, with their middle infield. I think that that's so much fun over there. I feel like a lot of these signings were just kind of obvious and, and like you just threw the most money in the highest bidder one, except for Mark Canada, the Mets. I, I thought like that was that. a sick, sick deal because it was cheap. I think he is underrated as hell. A bad second half really limited his, his value a little bit. He's a plus defender in the corner, can play center in a pinch, can hit for some power, can steal bags. He does a little bit of everything. At the price that they got him at, it was I think it was, what was it? Like two years, three years, some, I'll pull it up, 36 or something like that. Absolute steal. I, I love the deal for Mark Hanna. Weirdly enough, so I had Mark Hanna written down. Um, I love that signing as well. I think the Starling Marte signing with the Mets is going to work out. And that's not that's not one of the ones that I absolutely love, but I think it got some hate because, you know, how is the speed going to translate? But I think he's just a guy who's going to age well, weirdly, yeah. and that's more of a gut thing. I like the Starling Marte signing to the Mets. Um, you know, I got to be honest. Erod to the Tigers makes a lot of sense. I know, I know, but I like, I like the it. signing. I think Erod's going to have a good year for the Tigers. I agree. Put my stupid bias aside, I really do think Erod to the Tigers was a great one. Hey, I like it a lot. Bias, speaking of bias here, um, I think over the last couple of months, I've deducted that Peter Apple is turning into a Mets fan as well. So he's a Yankee am, fan for sure, but I'm like, the I Mets think he's truther. kind of a Mets fan. Yeah, I am kind of a Mets fan. He's I doing do that. like the he, Mets. He's he's doing it for our friend Adam Freifeld, who that's not even you know, the, that's not even the reason why I I've always I've never I've never thought that there was like the huge rivalry between the two Yankees and Mets like I you know that's a very I never thought that's that. a Yankee thing to say yeah like we don't worry about the little brother over there across town like it's <laughs> yeah, you not know I, I like the Mets it's not um, a little brother thing it might be a little bit but I like the Mets I do. I think the Marte narrative that like, oh, what is he going to do when he's not as athletic anymore is so stupid to me. Yeah, he, I agree. Right now, he's a guy that just puts the bat on the ball and relies on the speed big time, runs into some baseballs. In terms of exit velos, he's as, he hits ball as hard as anybody. Right. If you're telling me that Marte can't make a slight adjustment as he, as he ages a little bit with his freakish athleticism and body to be able to just lift the ball a bit more and hit more home runs and still play phenomenal defense in a corner – I think you're crazy. Like he's going to be just fine. He's going to age just fine, whether he steals 50 bags or not. In this era of science, in this era of human performance, um, I mean, we've got like eight different kinds of treadmills. We've got normal treadmills, inclined <laughs> ones. We've got curved treadmills. We've got underwater treadmills. Like Starling Marte can keep his athleticism. 
So you want to hear something nuts? This guy right behind me over here to my right, my dog, uh, Scout, uh, he was was wilding a little bit. He saw a biker, got really excited, went to jump for the biker, uh, pulled him back on the leash, and he landed bad on his back leg, popped his hip out. It was devastating. I was so sad. Um, We had to get it, you know, we we had to decide what we were going to do. And we you know, I think of what they ended up doing was just like removing like the legit socket. So his leg like works fine, but it's just like kind of funny, but he had to do underwater treadmill, like rehab. Dog. There you go. We have underwater treadmills for dogs, for dogs. <laughs> there we he go. was on his Adrian Peterson grind. Just, <laughs> I have a video. I'll, I'll send it to you guys. I'll, I'll tweet it out on the, on the main of just scout, just walking like on the underwater treadmill, just like what is going on. And you know what? This guy flies and he's he's 63. He's nine. He's 63. I'm telling you a little underwater treadmill for Starling Marte. He'll be fine. Love that for scout. Jack, do you, uh, who are your guys that you like of free agents? I said, Chris Taylor uh, was the one that I really like. Um, I did like Mark Canna. I had Mark Canna written down too. Um, There was one more that I didn't hate. Let me see. Didn't I hate everybody else? Uh, The thing with these free agent signings. What? Oh, I was going to say, I was going to buy you some time while you looked. The thing with these free agent signings is a lot of them were just like highest bidder, kind of obvious moves. There weren't that many like, whoa, that's a steal or whoa, this or that, because I felt like it was such a frenzy. Um, Mark Hanna was the only one that I really felt like was a, was a steal. Of course, Corey Kluber to the Rays is like the obvious one that everyone's going to highlight. Oh, the Rays will take him to the next level, blah, blah, blah. He will, Might happen. They will, though. Um, yeah, they, yeah, they probably will. They'll figure but, it out. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> Alex Cobb to the Giants, a one that I love. Yeah. Um, no, I had two pitchers that I liked. I like Stroman to the Cubs and I like Mats to the Cardinals. I do like those two. You like Mats for that? I do. I like Mats. Yeah. You know, it's it's like Kluber to the Rays light. It's like I think St. Louis is gonna do something. He's due for health. I just don't think that a guy can be this. He's due. That's how forever. it works. That's how it works. The more injured you are, the more likely you are to be not injured. Yeah, that's that's how how my mind is. The one thing I'll say about the Matt's deal is you look at like the four years and you're like, ah. but what I realized the more I thought about it was like, okay, I think the Cardinals were were willing to go longer years to go cheaper annual value. Um, And if Steven Matt's is, is mediocre for you at 11 mil, you're not like losing sleep over that. I mean, Carlos Martinez was terrible for them at 18 mil last year, 16 or 18 mil last year. You know, so I, I agree. I, I'm not like jumping out of my chair for it, but okay. I think there's a lot of upside and, and the downside 11 million in a couple of years, even even now. But in a couple of years, uh, you know, it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, he's making two and a half more than Andrew Heaney, which did not make either of our lists for the Dodgers, but uh, that's <laughs> what it is. But still on the Cardinals note, this is another really good question. Do you think Nolan Arenado comes back into full form for 2022, similar to how Paul Goldschmidt had a down year in 2019 after coming to the Cardinals? Or is Arenado a true 113 WRC plus hitter? That was asked by Carson Roan on Instagram. Jack, I'm going to throw that one to you first. Because you are a Nolan Arenado truther. Yeah. So you know my answer already. That, that's a great question, Carson. I do like it. Um, and I love that you cite the true WRC plus there. Like, is he a true 113 WRC plus guy? Um, I think he's 118 to 124. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit uh, better. Right. Like, I just, I think Arenado is, 
it's just a really, really good baseball player. I think he is, um, you know, of the guys that made their name felt in Colorado and went elsewhere. Like he's better than Tulowitzki. I'll stand by that. Um, oh yeah, I agree. He's he's oh, a yeah. way better option than Trevor Story. I don't think Story is going to replicate the numbers he did in Denver anywhere else. Mm. Okay. Arenado, I think, is the guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna do it Colorado wise, um, but he's still gonna be a really good hitter. And I think we're having this conversation like it's it's Jose Ramirez and then Arenado at two. Arm, um, you want to go ahead? Yeah, you know, obviously, offensively, you want to see Arenado put up the numbers that he was putting up in Colorado. But the the reality is, even if he was a league average hitter, which he's much better than you know, he's still going to be one of the best third basemen in baseball because he's one of the best third basemen ever uh, defensively. I think that the problem for Arenado, there's, there's a couple things is, you know, he's a guy that just makes a lot of contact, right? He doesn't K a lot. He's never had above a 17% K rate. Um, and, and something that Jeff Conine, you know, talked about on outside the box, which is something that I never really thought about until he brought it up was he's like, yeah, the ball flies out of Coors Field. That's what everyone thinks Coors Field home runs. Yep. But what we no don't worries. realize is that to, to accommodate the way the ball flies, they built the most cavernous outfield, the most spacious outfield you could ever imagine. As a result, you have all these guys playing way back, and Arenado is a high-contact guy. So he was having all of these balls fall left and right. It's not about the home runs. He hit 34 jacks last year. The difference is he's not having all of those – you know, balls that maybe he doesn't get all of in the gap falling as frequently. That's why we saw the batting average dip a bit. Also, I think he's about a 113 to, to 120 WRC plus guy. I think he'll be a little bit better next year because you got to get a little bit more acclimated playing away from there. But I think what we're seeing is, is not, you know, a suffering in the power department. It's just less of his balls are falling because he was a high contact guy. I think that's really it. But he's still going to be a, a well above average, I think, you know, offensive player. Um, and, and I think it'll be a little bit better than next year, than last year, excuse me. I think you're totally spot on their arm with uh, also just batting average on balls in play. Babbitt, it has been the lowest it's been in years. I mean, it, it was low in 2020. It was low in 2021. But with the Rockies, it was in the 300s. Now it's closer to 240. And that's, you, gonna, you know, to quantify exactly what you were saying, the batting average on balls in play also. His walks, like he doesn't walk that much. And he's actually walking at some of the lowest rates of his career. And, you know, WRC plus, they love when you walk. They love the high on base percentage, but he just doesn't. He had a 312 on base percentage last year. So if he just walks more legit, if he can get his walk rate back up to 10% where we've seen it at some years, we could see that 120 WRC plus and not really anything else happened because we're still all expecting 35 home runs. He hit 34 last year. We're all expecting hundred RBIs. He had 105 RBIs last year. Like you'll probably see hopefully 265, 335, five something with a 120 WRC plus 35 yeah. jacks, hundred RBIs and call it a day. And that's a really good third baseman, not the best in baseball, but one of the best. Yeah. I mean, you're thrilled with that. And I, the Babbitt point is great. And and I think it's a mentality thing at the plate too, right? If you have the confidence that almost anything you hit is going to fall because the, the yeah. outfield's so wide, you're going to pull the trigger a lot. But I think, you know, knowing now he's going to be more of that, I'm a power hitter that, uh, you know, not everything I hit is going to fall. So I'll take my walks, take see some more pitches and, yes. and bump that walk rate up a little bit. So, so let me get this straight. Nolan Arenado, you guys are saying, is a Babbitt merchant? No. Oh God. <laughs> I don't think he's a Babbitt merchant. I just, that's what's happened. 
it, I don't know it, what it yeah. I don't know what it means. All I know is the haters say it. Yeah, the, haters. The kids, the kids these days. All right, next question. But I think we're all expecting a bit of a bounce back for Nolan Arenado. This is another good one. What is your dark horse team to make the playoffs? Asked by sy.ingersoll on Instagram. Aram, I just threw that Nolan Arenado one to Jack. Who's your dark horse team to make the playoffs? So let's do this. Let's do AL and NL. Make it a little okay. bit harder. So before I don't jump into this, because I have a few different answers, I feel like there is no dark horse anymore. Agreed. If that makes sense. Like, can I walk you guys through this and you can tell me if I'm wrong? Right? Like, we're all going to say the same thing, I feel like, because you look at the AL East, none of the teams are a dark horse other than the Orioles who suck. You look at the AL Central, like the Tigers are the obvious, like, oh, they, they got better. They spent money. Like, I guess that's the dark horse. The Twins aren't good. The White Sox are obviously good. You could go with Cleveland as, as the dark horse. But, like, you look across every division, it's almost the same thing with the same story. It's either atrocious team or a team that obviously added. Um, so just prefacing with that, yeah. uh, I'm going to go in the AL with the Guardians. Um, I, I think I think they have a lot of prospects that are knocking on the door ready to help them, uh, whether it's some of the more obvious guys like – Tyler Freeman and Rokio and Nolan Jones to even Steven Kwan in the outfield, who I actually really like. And then some guys on the pitching side as well. Uh, I think the guardians are actually going to be a tough team this year uh, on the NL side. I think it's really tough to find a dark horse. The Cubs, they're just not there yet. Um, I think they've made some good moves. They're not there yet. Most of the NL teams got worse. I'm going to have to you know, be a homer here, but it's just kind of by default. I, I think the Marlins are a good dark horse pick given they have, one of the best young rotations in baseball and their offense, though I hate the Avi Garcia signing. I would have done anything to watch that guy in the outfield last year instead of Magnara Sierra uh, and some of the other guys that we saw day in and day out. It will be a net positive for them, no matter where he is on the spectrum of his career. Um, and they're not done. They're going to make more additions as well, it's, it, which is almost all but confirmed. Uh, give me the Marlins. And I, I love the Stallings edition too, you know, behind the dish. I agree. Jack, what do you think? State of Ohio, stand up. Stand up. Cleveland in the AL. Give me Cincinnati in the NL, too. Okay. Cincinnati, I mean, the reason I'm saying the Reds is I, they're losing a lot with Castellanos going elsewhere. If he does go elsewhere, I don't think he's re-signing with Cincinnati. But, you know, you're going to look at a full year of Jose Barrero at short, and that's going to be great, uh, getting, getting rid of the – whatever the hell was going on at short last Kyle year. Farmer. Yeah. I mean like farmer and others, <laughs> like yeah. you've got Barrero committed to a full year of short there. You've got the reigning NL rookie of the year in India rounding out the middle infield. Eugenio Suarez cannot be worse. Can't be worse. Uh, Vado uh, still bangs, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse Winker, I think is the real deal. And then Can't you've got Lodolo and green that are going to come up this year. And you start the year, at least, with Luis Castillo and Sonny Gray. I think there are enough pieces here to, like, be a dark horse. I don't think they're going to make the postseason, but, like, trying to locate a dark horse, like I'm saying, is really hard. I know I hate it, but how do they hit lefties? Peter, I kind of hope – I hope they don't because then you and I can just cash in. Every time they face Dylan Peters, you and I will cash in, Peter. So I hope they don't add anybody that can hit lefties. (laughs) They probably won't. Um, My dark horse – is in the American League. I'm still riding with the Angels. You know, 
Is it smart? I don't know. Going to keep backing them. I like this rotation. Noah Syndergaard, Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, Shohei freaking Otani. You're getting back Mike Trout. You're getting back Anthony Rendon. I think Jared Walsh has a big year. I think Brandon Marsh takes a step forward. I think Joe Adele takes a step forward. I think that this is actually a very good team. And with Joe Madden at the helm, I mean, come on now. You signed Rossi Iglesias. Aaron Loop was another signing, a lefty reliever who I, I actually do good like signing. that signing. He's kind of phenomenal. Um, I do like the Angels. Does it, does it count as a dark horse? That has to be a dark horse. I, I think at this point they've been bad for so long that you, yeah. you can just you can just call them a dark horse. Um, they also get that Mike Trout guy healthy, um, which pretty is good. which is pretty good. And a, a guy to watch in that system that I really like if he can stay healthy, Chris Rodriguez could give them a huge boost pitching wise. I would love to see Rodriguez be healthy um, and could really help them there. And and Reed Detmers, right? I mean, Reed Detmers yeah. keeps keeps getting better and, and you know making the the progress. The he could be, you know, if that if that guy's in the back of your rotation, just developing, you know, he's going to get better every time he gets out there. It seems pretty unanimous. Every scout I talk to, every every Baseball America writer perspective, anyone that I've been able to talk to, even his own catcher, Anthony Mulrine, my, my buddy, is like his stuff is too good. His command is too good. He'll figure it out. Um, and, and I think that's that that will happen at some point next year. Uh, but the good part is the Angels, they need him but they don't desperately need him to be their number two, like it was at some points last year. Uh, so, you know, I think that'll take some of the pressure off him too. I, I love that pick, Peter. Uh, and then I think the Royals are, are an obvious one, but I think they're relying on too many young guys at I once. I was thinking about the Royals. That was going to be maybe my second one, but I'm like, ah, I just don't know. I don't think that they're ready yet. NL. New York Mets. It's your time, baby. They're not a dark horse. <laughs> what? I mean, what? Am I going to go with the Marlins? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yes, that's a dark yeah. horse. Yeah. Okay, tell me, tell Reds. me why the Marlins aren't. Let, let's 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 no, talk no, about I the think Marlins. That's a good one. It's a good dark okay. horse. I'm just like no, no. But what I, other teams I want Jack. are there? I want Jack. I want Jack because Peter, I know you agree. We, we we've talked about this, Jack. I saw some some facial expressions from you. I just well, think I it's funny as hell because like playoffs, they're just picking the Marlins. <laughs> like I know where you're sitting. I know where you're coming to us live from. Um, so like Boca <laughs> Raton. Yeah, that, that's why I was laughing. Boca to Marlins Park is no Lone Depot Park, right? Lowercase L. L. Lowercase L. Yeah. So um, weird. No, How are the Mets not a dark horse? I mean, when's the last time they were kidding? like making a playoff run? Are you kidding? They okay, have Jacob because they're New York. And Max Scherzer in the rotation and Francisco Lindor at shortstop. They're yeah. not a dark horse. And Starling Marte. Do you Marte. think they're going to make the playoffs? Maybe. Do you? Maybe. I think they're a contender. Yeah, they are a contender. But the Angels are a contender. Yeah, but like the Reds are not a contender. The Marlins yeah. are not a contender. It's a dark horse activity. All right, fine. The Mets are the fifth favorite to win the World Series at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's not dark horse, Pete. All right, fine, fine. Um, I think... <laughs> This is one that like actually like, what I think the Diamondbacks are gonna have a crazy run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Alec favorite. Thomas, go. Zach Gallon, Alec Thomas, Diamondbacks win the NL West this year. How about that? What what other dark horses are there? What exactly. There doesn't. Have I, mean, to I guess one. are the Phillies a dark Phillies horse? are okay. the Phillies a dark horse? We're just I, that, picking that was my teams question. that are just middle of the pack right now and just saying that they're dark horses. Like there's none. I, yeah, but the Mets aren't middle of the pack. Diamondbacks might lose a hundred games again. I like Phillies. Phillies are a fair dark horse. Give Peter the Phillies. If, okay. if we're looking at Vegas odds right now, the Phillies are only a spot ahead of the Athletics 
at Wait, plus four thousand. Mets fifth to win the championship because they've got the two, they have two Hall of Famers in their rotation. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, not gonna lie. But the Phillies are plus four thousand ahead of the Athletics and the Marlins, tied right, Phillies. At plus six thousand. Stand up, Phillies. Phillies pick. Aaron Nola bounce back here. Zach Wheeler. <laughs> I know I'm calling a bounce back. Really, Suarez. 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 Yeah, it was Ranger. a good year. It was <laughs> a good year. Those runs he gave up didn't actually it didn't count. Matter. They weren't expected. <laughs> yeah, if it's unexpected, it doesn't count. I, doesn't count. I, I'm looking forward to using that we one. We should in just simulate the season and then not watch. No, anything unexpected doesn't count. I'm in, actually. Let's have an expected 2022. (laughs) That's 2022. All right. I wonder. All right. We're good. We're good somewhere. Um, All right. This is a good one. Rank Soto Acuna Tatis. Asked by S. Kravitz on Instagram. Rank Soto Juan Soto. Ron Acuna Jr. and Fernando Tatis Jr. Jack McMullen. I'll go first. I'll go first with this one because I, I, this is how I do it. One soda number one. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one soda number one. Yeah, it's impossible. Fernando Tatis Jr. number two, Ron Acuna Jr. number three. You could literally go Ronald Acuna Jr. one, and I'm not going to bat an eye either. He's so, so good. Like, top five player in baseball, phenomenal. But I think Tatis is two. I think Juan is one. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is three. Jack. Yeah, this is a great question, S. Kravitz. Hope you don't mind if I shorten it to Skravitz. Um, Kravitz. Soto won, because, again, he's Ted Williams. I mean, Juan Soto, if, if you look at his projections for this coming year on baseball reference, I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. Juan <laughs> Soto. Oh, I love the memes of uh, Juan Soto. Like, uh, you look at his baseball savant page. Just like catch on fire. No, I mean, like, Juan Soto, his 2022 projections on baseball reference are a 303 batting average and a 435 OBP with a 973 OPS. Like projections are supposed to be meh. Yeah. Like that is meh for him. Juan Soto's meh is a 435. If you finish with a 435 OBP next year, that is meh. Right. Yeah. Like we did the over under, like yeah. over under 440 OBP for Soto. And we were all like, over. I mean, over. Like yeah. that's the thing with Soto. And the thing is, he can do that for 15 more years. I'll take Tatis over Acuna. I'm with you, Peter, just because like shortstop is different than center field or right field, wherever Acuna ends up. Um, and I think Tatis is going to get better defensively. Yeah. It literally comes down to position for me. It's literally just Soto and then a toss up between the next two. Yeah. Yeah. Arm, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I, I like, I like Tatis's bat more than Acuna's if we're like splitting hairs in the craziest of ways. Like, I think, I think that you know, Tatis is a guy that's going to, probably draw more walks. Tatis is a guy that I think is more difficult to pitch to. Um, and, and then this is, again, where this is not to say that 
Acuna is is yeah, easy to pitch to. He's he's incredibly difficult. But there's a scouting report on Acuna, um, and and it's you know hard fastballs in, and that's why he crowds the plate and puts his arms over the plate. Uh, he makes it work. Anything middle away, it's, it, forget about it. Uh, but I, I just think when you look at Soto specifically, there is legitimately no way to beat him. It's it's impossible. You look at Tatis. The only way you beat him really is when he beats himself. You know, yep. when he expands the zone a little bit, when he gets a little too aggressive, I think he's learned a lot about that. What, what Tatis does per 10 at bats, I think is, is almost unmatched in baseball in terms of damage. Um, I'm going to still go Soto just because it's the safest, but I don't think Soto is going to have the most productive year next year. I don't think he's going to see shit to hit, uh, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go Soto Tatis Acuna uh, in that order. Um, but honestly, like Tatis is, is, is closer to uh, Soto, I think, than, than some people might, might think. I really think he's, he's getting there. And this guy's only 23 years old, 25 days ago. And I think he's, his approach is only going to get better and better. Love it. Okay, next question. Who do you think will bounce back best from a major injury in 2022? And how do you think that Acuna will be impeded from the injury despite his freak athleticism? Asked by Jordan Fallis on Instagram. Now that's the interesting one. Um, I can go first for a guy who I think is going to bounce back pretty well from injury. I think Jack Flaherty is going to have a good year next year. Um, and to have a cop-out answer, I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be phenomenal. I don't think it's going to hinder him that much. I think he's a young guy who's going to bounce back from a knee injury, and they have the best surgeons in the world operating on that knee. I think he's going to be totally fine. I think we're going to – I don't even think we're going to see a slight drop-off in production. I think we're going to see either more of the same or it only get better. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be totally fine. Jack? Uh, two backs that I want to do prayer emoji for Christian Yelich's lower back and Jacob deGrom's back. Jacob yeah. deGrom had a bunch of different things going on here. I think deGrom's going to be fine. I, I mean, we've talked about it. I just don't think it's in human anatomy, like to be able to throw 103, a hundred times a game every fifth day yeah. and like stay healthy. So I'm really worried about deGrom's health. Um, I'm not saying he has to dial it back to 99 instead of 102, but you yeah, might have to throw for the sake of him. Um, I would love to see Christian Yelich be pain-free when spring training starts. Cause if he's pain-free with that back and he's like fully getting his body into his swing, I think Yelly's back. Yeah. You know, I love I love the Yelich pick. You know, you figure what has he been focusing on this entire offseason, right? Is getting that thing right. I, I can assure you that's been the big focus for him. Well, maybe even making some slight tweaks to his swing so that it's not as reliant on on flexibility and mobility and uh, just putting as much you know emphasis on that lower half. I mean, his his swing is so predicated on hip mobility and just just being able to do things that not a lot of guys can do in their swing. Uh, I, I like him as a bounce back guy, uh, an obvious one, but you know, someone I really think is going to be still just chucking next year is Justin Verlander because, yeah. you know, th- they could have, yeah. they could have rushed Verlander back, you know, and it would have been really iffy down the stretch there. 
They didn't. And now he gets an extra six months to get right. He's going to ease his way in. Most of these guys are rushing back, you know, at the end of the season or whatever. He eases his way right in. will be, be probably 100% right at, at opening day. And I think Verlander is going to be good to go. I'm, I'm really excited to watch this guy, Chuck. I think he's still got a lot in the tank. I am on both of your guys' teams. Christian Yelich, come on. Big bounce back from him. And then Arm, I totally agree with you as well. So last question, and this is a good farm systems one, prospects. Who are the top five farm systems in baseball? Asked by Riley McLean on Instagram. And after this question, we will break into the NFL, the AFC and NFC championships. But first, top five farm systems in baseball. Arm Layton, seems like a question teed up for you. Yeah, the, the floor is mine. This is actually a really hard question. Yeah, I think people would think it's like kind of easy, but it, it's really hard because it's like, what do you value more? Guys at the like four super studs at the top or like 12 really solid dudes. Uh, so, you know, that's something that I've always been thinking about and like how to scale that out and how to value that. Uh, but without getting too deep into it, and also I'm disappointed in Jack for not picking Nick Madrigal to bounce back next year, uh, but without getting too deep into it, uh, I think he's just salty that, you know, he doesn't have magical anymore. Uh, no, I can go see magical whenever I want, actually. That I have two teams in my city. Oh, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're fans of both the teams. That's I like the White Sox more. You listen, magical with his, you know, 320, 320, 320 slash line is very <laughs> fun to watch. But Jack, yeah. so you're a Chicago guy, too. I mean, you like Cubs and White Sox. I like Yankees and Mets. Yeah. Oh, God. Fun I like Marlins and Rays. And Rays. <laughs> um, I'm telling you, we need the Rob Lowe MLB logo hat. I ordered one. Go to these games. Uh, number one is the Mariners. You know, I think we, we've talked about it. I don't even need to go too deep into that. I mean, they are stupid, stupidly, stupidly loaded with elite talent, like two top 15 guys and then like three top 20 guys and then like eight top 100 guys. Stupid. And someone we never mentioned because he doesn't fit into the fold Right now, Harry Ford, I think, is going to be a stud, one of the steals of the draft. Number two, Baltimore Orioles. I really like that system. I, I just – top guys, obviously, Adley Grayson, but I really like the balance all the way through. I love the Cowser pick. I love Connor Norby. I love D.L. Hall. A lot of guys I really like in there and, and some depth as well. Number three, probably one of the most improved systems in baseball, but I'm actually going to bump them. I, I skipped ahead. Number three is the Rays. I love the Rays. That's a system that's always really good. No surprise there. Boz doesn't graduate yet. They have Bruhan. Josh Lau is someone I am so amped on or low. He's low and it's Brandon Lau, right? Jack, Brandon Lau, yeah. Brandon Lau, Josh Lowe, but they're spelled yes. the same. Just yes. a preference. Well, Great. and then you got Nathaniel Lowe in uh in Texas, who used to be Nate Lowe, but now yes. he's Nathaniel. Because... Lowe's just like to make it difficult. Rays well, at number three. I love, I still love that system. And then they have depth guys like Tommy Romero, who was just outrageous last year. Uh, they have probably five arms. Taj Bradley, top 50 prospect now. Just so many dudes that chuck it. Jonathan Aranda, maybe the most underrated prospect in baseball. Number four, most improved system that I was getting at before. The Pirates murdered the draft. Murdered the draft. Underslotting Henry Davis, I know that's something, you know, Peter, I know you love that. Jack, I think I remember you loving that pick too. Yeah. Um, but underslotting Henry Davis to be able to go get multiple first round talents in the later rounds, loading up great trades that they made to go get Roanzi Contreras and Cannon Smith and Jigba from, you know, the, the Yankees. They made some other good deals as well. Added Kyle Nicholas, another 
you know, top 10 guy from the Marlins system. That pirate system is legit. That comes in at number four. And Jack, what do you got to say? Well, real quick, Cannon, Smith, and Jigba. Shout out the Smith and Jigba family. Jackson, family. 350 receiving yards in the Rose Bowl. Guy is wide receiver one next year. Um, listen, I watch on Saturdays. I don't watch on Sundays. So Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, he's the guy. Your fantasy football draft, not this year, but next year. Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. If you see him on the board in round four, go get him. Cannon is going to be a good pro. What did he do in that one game, um, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba? He had like 350 yards. Yeah, Rose Bowl, 350 yards with like four touchdowns. Jesus. So stupid. So, so stupid. And then got to be a homer here. Marlins at number five. I, I just think there's there's still too many arms. Um, depending on, on what your qualifications are for graduation, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer, now Yuri Perez as an emergent top 50 prospect almost across the board. I just had Jeff Ponce on the call up and Jeff Ponce said top 20 prospect in his opinion, baseball America writer. Uh, They go get Khalil Watson. He was a steal in that draft. JJ Boudet bounce back. Jake Eater's been great. I mean, this system is still really darn good with, you know, a premium on pitching. You know who I really like in that system is Zach McCambly. I love McCambly. Zach will be on the call up uh, in the next couple months. Nasty breaking ball, nasty breaking ball and and a good dude too. They've got a ton of arms. They just need to develop the bats. But even without, you know, a litany of bats, you have to, you just have to put that system up there when you've got that many arms. Yeah. Two questions. First, it's more of a statement. The list is wrong because it doesn't include the Yankees. That's one. Yeah, Jason Dominguez shouldn't include the Yankees, but the Yankees are making strides. No, great system. Still a great system. system. The only team that I would maybe throw into that top five, how about the Detroit Tigers? Yeah. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Jackson Job. They got a ton of dudes. Mm -hmm. That could be a team that's maybe in the top five. Do you think that they are? Would they be over the Marlins? Maybe not. (laughs) So their top three is like a top three, top three, but they're so top heavy. Like everybody Mm -hmm. else kind of falls off. Okay. It's a great question, though, because that's kind of what I let in with, like with you guys. Yeah. Like, what do you value more? And I, I just think, think got like three potential all stars sitting there right there. Right. Yeah, it's it's tough, but they're right there too, six or seven. Same with the Yanks. Sweet. All right. That's the end of the mailbag. And now we start with NFL Sunday championship week. The all right, we got to go through these teams. The 49ers are taking on the Rams at SoFi Stadium. The Rams are currently three-and-a-half-point favorites, and the over-under is currently 46. So i like to uh, ask you guys how you think the game's going to go, but, you know, these are my Rams against the 49ers, and I have a lot to say, but Arm will throw it to you, 49ers or Rams. So Jack and I did well last week, I must say. We did well. Yeah. I'm due for a whiff this week, but I mean, I, I think I, I'm excited to hear what your thoughts are and, and what the public numbers are early. I haven't looked at the public numbers, but it just seems like the Rams are an obvious pick, but then not obvious because everyone's like, Oh, the Niners beat up the Rams and the Rams are the obvious pick. So it's almost like a double negative here back to the Rams actually not being obvious. And I'm going with the Rams. If you know what I'm saying? So obvious, it's not obvious, making it obvious again, and it's not obvious. So we're going with the Rams. Um, They're just the better team. And I'm not, there's, the NFL should not allow Jimmy Garoppolo to start at QB in the Super Bowl. It should not be allowed. It would be the worst thing since Brock Osweiler and Peyton Manning platooned in that playoff run. They literally platooned. Um, So Rams, they take care of business. 
Cam Akers needs to figure out the fumbling shit, though. Oh He's got to figure that out. Do you trust Cam Akers? Do you still keep giving him the ball in this situation? Or do you give it to somebody else, Pete? He'll figure it out. He'll be fine. I agree. I love Akers. But right now, on this stage, are yes. you still feeding him the ball yes. at the goal line? Tony Michelle is just not good enough. Like I he's love that. fine between the tackles. He's a fine running back, but Cam Akers just does so much more. I think when healthy, Cam Akers is one of the best running backs in the league. I think this was a weird happenstance, you know, just totally. it happened. Weird fall on the head. I think you got to just keep giving it to Cam. On the chiefs Bengals side, you know, We'll talk about that after. Well, we'll let's go. Oh, oh yeah, go, Jack, go, go. Jack, what do you think? 49ers or Rams? Yeah, so I had a really good week by just naming random former players for each side. So I'm going to do that again. Uh, Sam Bradford and Ted Ginn Jr. Oh. Um, I'm going to go the Rams, and I'm going to go with the under. Okay. I think that the Niners' offense is anemic. And I think they're going to get into this weird rock fight with the Rams. Um, I think whatever number Odell Beckham's receiving prop is at, I would take the over because I think Odell Beckham, like this is his postseason right now. Is it post- the playoffs postseason? Yeah, because he's broke. Postseason. Yeah, yeah, because like, he's broke. He's just trying to get trying to get some money back after yeah, putting like, it all in Bitcoin. Just incentivize the shit out of it. Yeah, Bitcoin. Hold on. So you guys told me to put some money in Ethereum. I won't say if I did or not. Like, how are we doing there? If I didn't, Terrible. should I put money in Ethereum? No, I mean, yes, now, but I, my portfolio so is like- I'll give you a visual here. Imagine you put these two in Ethereum. That's it. You just have this now. Mm-hmm. So for those listening, I had two water bottles. One is gone. Ethereum is half of what it was when we told you to invest in it. I have. I will not look at that portfolio until I'm 30. Okay. Okay. Um, Rams are taking on the 49ers, huh? Three and a half point dog. So here, here it is. So I'm a Rams fan personally. And there's something that's been happening between Rams 49ers now for the past couple of years. Kyle Shanahan is six and O straight up against Sean McVay in their last six meetings. The 49ers have owned the Rams recently in their last game in week 17, the Rams got up early, but then the 49ers fought back and won 27 to 24. This is a really tough game because I'm going to say that the Rams should win but this is a game that the 49ers generally do. But this is the 49ers' fourth straight game on the road. And primarily in NFL history, it's not good percentages of teams who win four straight road games. And that's what the 49ers are dealing with as well. The way the 49ers scheme, the way they run the ball, this Rams team has trouble. But Trent Williams is questionable. Not sure if he's going to play. That's the best Offensive lineman, I think, in football for San Francisco. Andrew Whitworth, questionable, but looks like he's going to practice. You know, if we just go further down the injury report, Elijah Mitchell, running back for the 49ers, questionable. Jeff Wilson Jr., questionable for the 49ers as well. That's their backup running back. Taylor Rapp, who's the safety for the Rams, who has had a really solid year in that secondary. He's questionable, but he's looking more like he'll play. And Eric Weddle has been the guy who's been taking his place in that Rams secondary. This is a game where I'd probably take 49ers spread. Um, 
I'm not going to pick against my Rams, but I'm, I will not be betting Rams spread in this game. I, the 49ers own the Rams. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. So that's kind of my game. And Fred Warner, who's the linebacker for the 49ers as well. The 49ers play a lot of zone. So it's hard for Stafford to do his consistent, like he likes to, he likes to do a lot of short passes that allow for the long pass. But the yeah. 49ers, it's hard to do that, especially Fred Warner at linebacker. They play a lot of zone. It's going to be tough to do that. Hey, to, to break up the roster deconstruction real quick, Fred yeah. Warner currently uh, married, I think maybe engaged, but married to a contestant on one of the previous seasons of The Bachelor. Sydney Heitzauer was on Peter Weber's season of The Bachelor. Sydney <laughs> lied about being bullied in high school, came out that she was not being bullied whatsoever that she was actually one of the mean girls in high school. And now she's married to Fred Warner. So there's that. All right. Well, that's how we'll end it there. So we're all Rams. All Rams. Yeah. Okay. I I did not honestly didn't even know what your pick was after after all that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of brain movements there. Cause this is, this is the matchup, right? This is my team. This is the NFC championship. I mean, there's, there's a lot to go through, but I would just, I would be very nervous of the Rams and the public has come in on the Rams. So Sharps, Sharps are kind of split on this, but AFC championship Bengals versus Chiefs. The Chiefs opened at six and a half. It was quickly moved up to seven. That's where the number is right now. The over-under is 54 and a half. Bengals, Chiefs, Aram, who's winning? Chiefs easily, I think. I mean, the, the, the fact that the Bengals were able to survive with how bad that offensive line looked last week, it's not going to be – I know it's not the same you know defensive line that they're going against here, but Chris Jones is going to eat. They'll find a way to get pressure. The, Joe Burrow was was you know running for his life. I, I just – I don't think you can get past this team and keep up offensively with the offensive line limitations they have. I, and the Chiefs are rolling now too. I, I think the Chiefs win pretty comfortably. Jack? Brady Quinn versus Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. That was a good name. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow. I've said it. Maybe the girthiest guy in the National Football League. Um, I love his new glasses. It's very similar vibes to Jock Peterson and the Pearls. Agreed. Um, The Pearls won a World Series. I don't think the glasses are going to win a Super Bowl. I think Patrick Mahomes is that dude. I saw his whoop. Um, did you see his whoop thing going on, Aram? I know you wear one. A whoop? Oh, yeah. Whoop. I ordered a whoop band. Did you? So, like, I'm I'm cool with my Apple Watch here, but uh, Patrick his Mahomes, heart wears, rate. he wears a whoop while he plays, and his heart rate was highest when the Bills had the ball, huh. which is nuts. Yeah. That's so sick. That's so sick. His heart rate was the highest when he couldn't do anything. When he couldn't, but when do it was anything. all on him, he was the most chill. Yes. So that that guy, that built guy's winning with the emoji of like the smoke coming out of the nostrils and then the purple devil smiling. That guy built different. Uh, so give me the Chiefs spread money line over whatever whatever you want. Yeah, I'm, this is not a game that I'm going to go into too much because it really is, it's the Chiefs. Arrowhead, Patrick Mahomes, at home, how do you think he's going to lose? But if we're talking about the spread, you know, the Bengals beat the Chiefs not too long ago, 34-31. to 31, But again, the Chiefs got up early. 
and they had to hold the Bengals had to hold the Chiefs to three points in the second half. Is that going to happen again? Most likely not. I'm I'm going to side with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs win this one, and I love the over. I mean, the last time they played again, 34-31, that's 65 total points. The over-under right now is at 54.5. It's going to be a public play. Everyone's going to be hammering it, and I really do think that it's going to hit. Kind of similar to um, the Chiefs-Bills, where 90% of the public was on the over, and it still went over. I think we're going to see something similar there. I think the over is the strongest play. I think the Chiefs win. I'm nervous about the covering. I think Joe Burrow, It could. They, the Chiefs could be up by 14 going late into the fourth quarter. Joe Burrow throws a last touchdown, you know, my push. I think Vegas has this game pegged pretty well at seven. You know, it's almost one of those games where if you have seven and a half, you might play the Bengals. If you have six and a half, you might play the Chiefs. Um, I, I think you got to go Chiefs here and you got to go over. All right, so we to win, all three of us have the Rams and the Chiefs. I'm not confident about my Rams, though. I got to be honest. If there's one team I don't want to face, it's the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. Figure it out. I know, but it, they don't even need him, dude. It doesn't even matter. You, you won't throw. It's it's it's. But that's the thing is with Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson being questionable, how effectively they're going to be able to run the ball. But we've seen from the 49ers, they can throw anybody out there and they can run the football. It's the defense. Their defense is, is a little bit healthier now. I know Bosa banged up. You guys are laughing. What? You're just going through the roster again. <laughs> it's so. Funny. I go deep. What should I not go deep? Should no, I, I, I love it. Naming? Should I just go with Sam Bradford and just, you know. Just <laughs> I went three nothing? and one last week by you doing did. that bullshit. I thought you went four and oh. No, I picked the, uh, I picked the Bills, I think. No, I think you picked the Chiefs. And I thought you picked the 49ers picked over the, the Packers. Or did you pick the Packers? No, I thought I picked the Niners. Yeah, no. that's what I thought. I think you went four and oh. I went four and oh. I picked Talking Kansas City. Bullshit. Why did I pick Kansas City? Holy shit. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, look. No, you went on this long tangent about Josh Allen and then what Chiefs. Oh, did I do like a Lee Corso? Not so fast, my friend. I had COVID yes. brain during that time. So that was, you know, that was all in the back. Um, all right. So I went 4-0 and by naming former players and you went deep and you did not go 4-0. So who's the real winner here? You are the real winner. Yeah. All right, people. Get your Just Baseball merch in the episode link or it's linked in the episode description of this podcast just baseball merch jack's rocking his just baseball hoodie arms rocking his just baseball t-shirt check out the call up arms prospect pod you can listen to more you just had a great interview with the baseball america guy yeah jeff Ponce is awesome he's the man just going over that list going over that whole list it was a lot of fun just asking him what went into it jack mcmullen Anything to plug? You got anything? Uh, I'm going to plug you because I'm a supportive friend. Uh, the Not Gambling Advice show is coming soon with Colby Olson. Right after the Super Bowl, we're going to be coming out with fantasy baseball rankings. We're going to be start. We got to start gambling on the futures of this season. Who's going to win MVP, Cy Young, all that kind of stuff. We're obviously going to talk about it on the Just Baseball show, but that's one we're getting more into the nitty gritty of the gambling type focus and with fantasy baseball as well. Title clarification for me real quick. The Not Gambling Advice show, or is it going to be Not Gambling Advice? And that's the name not, of the show. Not Gambling Advice. That's okay. the name of the show. Cool. All right, people. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.